0: O God, our Father, help us in the study of your word to find guidance for our problems, strength for our temptations, power for our tasks, comfort for our sorrows, and your fellowship in our loneliness. When we're restless and distracted, let your word calm our troubled hearts with the peace that passes understanding. And in the study of your word, open your hand and satisfy our need through Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, today we continue our series of sermons on the book of Hebrews. In this book that is less like a letter and more like a sermon, we will read five verses that lift up two themes: the power of God's word and the boldness with which we may draw near to God. First, this passage, short as it is, moves from God's majesty and holiness to humanity's our weakness and limitation. And then the last three verses move from human weakness and temptation to Christ, the high priest, who enable us to approach God's throne of grace where we receive mercy and find grace. So listen now for God's word in the fourth chapter of Hebrews starting at the 12th verse. Indeed, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing until it divides soul from spirit, joints from marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And before him, no creature is hidden, but all are naked and laid bare. To the eyes of the one to whom we must render an account since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens jesus the son of god let us hold fast to our confession for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but we have one who in every respect has been tested as we are yet without sin let us therefore Approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This is the word of the Lord. O Lord, may our thoughts and may my words be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. back when Betty's father, Vassa Sharon, was a Wake County Commissioner. If you had a problem with your county taxes, your case would be held by a committee of commissioners. Now that Nowadays they have staff to do that kind of thing. There was a fellow who wanted to fuss about his high tax bill, and this fellow was a judge. He was used to sitting in the judgment seat and people doing what he said do. Well, he warmed the idea of being his own advocate, his own lawyer there. So he said, I'm not looking for special treatment just because I'm a prominent judge. No, I'm just looking for justice. And then he warmed even more to that he was speaking. So he emphasized his point as he pounded the table and repeated, justice, justice, justice. (laughs) Well, the room was silent, and everyone looked over to Vassar, who was chair of that committee, to see, how's he going to handle this politically awkward situation? Well, Vassar leaned over and calmly said, Your Honor, if the bailiff ever has to drag me before you in your court of law, I have to tell you, I won't be looking for justice. I'll be looking for mercy. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you two other things about that story. One, his tax bill did not get changed. (laughs) And two, when I told this story one time at First Presbyterian Church in Raleigh at the Wednesday service, four lawyers came up and asked me, I know who that was, that was Judge So-and-so, was not it? And they were right. In fact, one of them said, I went to that man's funeral to be sure he was actually dead. (laughs) Well, the writer of Hebrews encourages you and me to approach the throne of grace with boldness, not to demand justice, 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 like the judge, but so that we may receive mercy and find grace and help in time of need. So what is this mercy we want to receive? What is this grace we want to find? Aren't they kind of the same thing? And why is mercy received and grace found? Well, Mercy is an attribute of God, and it's a virtue commended for human beings. We are told about God's mercy in Exodus, the 34th chapter, where God says to Moses, The Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And then over in Isaiah 35, we read, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their way and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them return to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. We all know some people that pardon a little bit, but not abundantly. Well, we don't earn, we don't achieve, we don't acquire God's mercy by something that we do. As Paul writes in Romans 9, it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who shows mercy. In the 25th Psalm, the psalmist's plea calls on God's mercy, saying, Be mindful of your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love. For they have been from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for your goodness sake, O Lord. And surely you remember that there's a confident affirmation in the 23rd Psalm. Sixth verse. Surely goodness and mercy. Mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Not a few, not some, not many, not most. All the days of my life. Well, twice in Matthew's gospel, Jesus quotes the prophet Hosea on mercy. Or just for example, when the the Pharisees were fussing because Jesus was dining with tax collectors and other sinners of all people, he told them that, well people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Then Jesus said, go and learn what this means. And he quotes from Hosea, I desire not sacrifice, for I have come to call not the righteous but sinners. And in, in the 12th chapter of Matthew, when the Pharisees were fussing again, they were fussy kind of fellows. And George, we talked about whether women participated in other- I'm not sure if Pharisees could be women, they had to be men, and they were fussy. They were fussing about those hungry disciples of Jesus going around picking corn on the Sabbath, just because you were hungry. What were you thinking? you know Well, Jesus again quotes that verse in Hosea about God preferring mercy to sacrifice, and again in the the twenty third chapter of Matthew, Jesus denounces the Pharisees. They had devotion to the letter of the law, the littlest thing, saying, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. It is these you ought to have practiced without neglecting the others. They tied their salt and pepper, but they just didn't have pity on people. Well, Hebrews says that we receive mercy and find grace. So what is grace? Grace is the unmerited favor of God. The Hebrew noun grace is only used about three times in the Old Testament. Mercy is used 115 times in the New Testament. But God's, God's unmerited favor is expressed Throughout the Bible, there's one writer who says that much of the Bible portrays grace rather than naming it. Read the parables of Jesus in Matthew and Mark, and you will see grace portrayed. For example, consider that parable that's usually called the prodigal son, which really ought to be called the parable of the forgiving father. You see, grace. Grace combines ideas that are in tension that point to profound mystery. Grace names the undeserved, not deserved, undeserved gift that creates relationships and the sustaining, responding, forbearing attitude plus action that nurtures relationships. So how do relationships figure into this? Grace concerns the interaction between the gracious person and the graced recipient. It involves the wills of both. Or in short, grace is one of, it's just a miracle. In the first Timothy, Paul wrote about both mercy and grace, saying that he had received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Now you remember how back when we started a while ago, I said that mercy is an attribute of God that is recommended or commended human beings. Did you wonder, well, who recommended it? Well, I'll tell you. I'll give you a little hint. It was that fellow that Matthew quoted as saying, Blessed are the merciful for they will receive mercy. It was that same fellow, Jesus Christ, who who was asked one time by a lawyer, who is my neighbor? And you remember Jesus responded by telling a story about a man who was beaten and robbed and left to die by the highway in the ditch. Ignored by a couple of the church uppity-ups who passed by on the other side only to be cared for by a man from a group that was despised. Samaritans. You remember Jesus asked about the, the three responses to the man who had been beaten and robbed. The one that the other two passed by on the other side and one pouring soothing oil and cleansing wine on his wound, bandaged him, put him up in an inn, made sure he was taken care of. And then Jesus asked, which of these three, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the fellow whose question had prompted this story said, the one who showed him mercy. And do you remember what Jesus said to him? And therefore also to us. Go and do likewise. So may you and I receive mercy and find grace as we go and do likewise. Thanks be to God. Now may the God of peace, who brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, make you and me complete in everything good so that we may do his will working among us that which is pleasing in God's sight through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever amen